Well, here I am alone, surrounded by all these gorgeous babes. They all look like they could get caught in that bus developing machines and couldn't get out until it was almost too late. And we're in trouble. Mamzelles is in trouble. All those beautiful babes are in trouble. They may all be thrown out of work and be destitute on the streets of Hollywood, prey of producers, directors, even actors. I'll come right out. How soon can you make it? With no accidents on the freeway, twenty minutes. Good. See you here, Scott. We hung up. I was downstairs and climbing into my Cadillac before it occurred to me that Lawrence had not told me anything about the case. As I pulled out of the lot, I thought about that. Maybe I was getting an inkling of why Lawrence was called fabulous. I made it to Mamzelle's in a couple of minutes under twenty. It was on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, a few blocks south of the Palladium, and nearly as big as that supersized dance hall. It was a low, white building, modern, with the front unbroken except for massive glass and chrome doors, at the far right over which was the one word, Mamzelles, in foot-high red letters, done in a flowing feminine script. I parked in the lot at the building's side, walked to the big entrance doors, and through them. I was in some kind of reception room. Against the wall on my right were a pale green divan, two chairs in glowing gold, and a small gilt table. The carpet was an off-white, the color of rich cream, with a little coffee in it, and the other three walls were all mirror, from floor to ceiling. In the center of the room was the only other piece of furniture, a white desk so delicate and airy that it looked like an hors d'oeuvre for two termites. And seated behind the desk, fluttering her lashes at me, was a blonde beauty in mint green who apparently served as receptionist here. It had taken a little while for my eyes to become accustomed to the dimness of the room, but it was going to take a lot longer for my eyes to become accustomed to the blonde tomato. Here was one of those gals Lawrence had told me about, the gals who had got stuck in the bus-developing machines. As I stopped inside the door and looked at her, she smiled brightly. Hello, she said. And then she stood up and stepped quickly toward me. Well, it was almost too much. With a wall of mirror behind her reflecting every move that side of her made, and me watching every move this side of her made, she seemed to be advancing from me and retreating toward me while trying to get away sideways. She looked as if a breath would bruise her, but at the same time a gal who could climb to the top of Everest without stopping. She looked, that is, one hundred percent healthy, vital in every cell and jiggle, but still soft and tender and completely feminine. As she stopped in front of me, she said, You're Shell Scott, aren't you? Yes, and you must be Mamselle. Oh, goodness, no, she laughed delightedly. But thanks for the compliment. I'm Dee Dee, Mr. Scott. Shell, call me Shell. How do you know who I was? Lawrence told me you'd be coming in and how I could recognize you. That is, he tried to tell me what you look like. You're rather overpowering, you know. I am, huh? Sure, come on, I'll show you. She took my hand and tucked me forward a few feet, then turned me to face all those walls of mirrors. I could see myself from all three sides, just by turning my head a little, and it was pretty horrible. In addition to standing six feet two inches high in my stocking feet, and weighing two hundred and five pounds, practically none of which is fat, my short-cropped hair is white. That is, it's a white blonde, which against my sun-darkened skin appears thoroughly white, the same color as my eyebrows which angle up from the middle and then slant down sharply over my gray eyes, and have been referred to by slanderers as four eyebrows put together on the wrong head. Personally, I feel that they are rather dashing, since I'm stuck with them, as I am with my nose, 
which was once broken and set just a little off-center. And then the top slice of my left ear is gone, carried away by a hoodlum's last bullet. Who looks at ears? Anyhow, this appearance of mine has always been the chief drawback in my job as private investigator. I cannot fade away into crowds of people and disappear. It would be easier for me to disappear among cement mixers or freeway accidents. I have strong teeth, but they almost seem to wiggle at me when I smile at myself. I meant to smile winningly, but it turned out losingly. Needy said, Golly, you're big, aren't you? I smiled losingly at myself some more. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest slob of all? But enough of this. I'm supposed to see Lawrence. Where'll I find him? Dee Dee pointed to a door fitted into the wall so neatly that it was almost invisible, except for a pink doorknob the size of a grape. Through there, and down the hall, to the door that says Mamselle on it. He's in there. Aha! Now the truth comes out. Fabulous Lawrence is Mamselle. Dee Dee chuckled. Hardly. He's just using her office today. Lita Corell is Mamselle, and she looks nothing like Fabulous Lawrence, who is probably wondering where you are. She smiled then, and a very nice bright smile it was. I'd hate it if you got fired.